proud of that, and uh, I too just would encourage you, get engaged. That's making, I mean, 1,200 kids, that's incredible. Uh, what, a, what a run, and, uh, and God's done some great things through it. You know, as Mark said, today we're in a new series, and I'm just so excited to be going to this series with you. We're going to be in the New Testament book of Colossians together, and I believe that this new series is going to be not only helpful, but I think it's going to be very impactful for our lives together as a church, and so really excited to go there. But before we do that, um, I just want to kind of hit the pause button here for a minute and just say a huge thank you uh, to our great God, because we've had some incredible weeks around here. You know, three weeks ago, we had the egg drop and uh, the helicopter egg drop, and we saw um, tons of people come to that, and it took a lot of planning and a whole lot of volunteer hours all along the way. And then we approached Easter weekend, and we saw God just do some incredible things in our midst. And I don't know about you, but I just kind of stand back and I go, wow, thank you, God. And so would you even join me? And let's just kind of, as a way of us saying, God, thank you. Let's just say, God, thank you. Yeah, let's do it. I, uh, I also wanted to say to all of you uh, a huge thank you. Um, you know, you are a church that continually has a contagious desire to be a part of the things that God is about, and, um, and it's contagious, and I just want to thank you for it. Um, uh, the things that we're able to do week in and week out, they don't happen unless we have a church that's fully bought into the purpose of God, that's fully bought in to our mission as a church, helping people find and follow Jesus Christ, uh, the greatest thing, honestly, that we could give our lives to. And so a huge thank you to all of you. You know, as I was thinking about the last several weeks, I couldn't help but think about our theme verse for 2018. I want to read this to you. You know it. Hopefully by now you're beginning to become very familiar with it. It's from Ephesians chapter 3. It says this in verse 20. It says, now to him, it's not about us, it's about our great God, right? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations uh, forever and ever. Amen. And I don't know about you, but when, whenever I see God change a life, I go, you know what that was? That was an immeasurably more moment. That was one of those moments that we go, there's nothing better than that. There's nothing that could bring us more joy than that. And I know for some of you, last weekend, you had one of those moments on Easter Sunday. That was one of those for you. And um, I just want you to know as a church, we thank God for you. And we celebrate you this morning. We celebrate what God uh, did in your life. Last weekend, we looked at the historical event of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and we talked about the fact that when the tomb was empty and then when Jesus, after he had, he had gone to the cross and he had been brutally you know, executed through the crucifixion, he'd gone to the tomb and then the tomb was found empty and then Jesus appeared to, to, to a few and then he appeared to over 100 and then he appeared to over 500 at one time. That when Jesus Christ did that, when the resurrected Jesus Christ appeared to all those people, it cemented in their minds that the things that this guy said were true that his claims were true and that we could take great stock and, and we could have great confidence in them. And so then we answered one question on Easter Sunday. We said this, and it's a critical question, most life-impacting question I think we could possibly ask. We said, what does the resurrection of Jesus, what does it mean for me? And so we talked about what the resurrection means for us. We talked about the fact that we can put confidence in the teachings and in the promises and, and in all the things that God described for you and for me, we can put a whole lot of assurance in those things. And so we looked at the scriptures and we started in John chapter 20 and, and we looked at this and we said, what does the resurrection mean for us? 
It says Jesus performed many other signs and he was showing himself. He was showing himself to be God by the things that he was doing in their midst. And, and then it says he did that in their presence. But then he did all these other things which, not, which, not, which were not even recorded in this book. And then verse 31, I want to show you this. He says, but these things were written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing, here it is, you might have life in his name. Earlier in the gospel book of John, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life, but not just average. Jesus said, no, no, I came that you might have life, and you might have life in all of its fullness. The resurrection of Jesus Christ means that all the things that Jesus described for you and for me are true. Things that you and I can say, that's possible for my life. The resurrection means that. And so to drive that home for us and to help us understand it, we talked about two words that you see even again here on our stage this morning. We had a big bridge out here, and, and we talked about the word here, and then we talked about the word there. And, and we had this bridge as kind of this metaphor for us to help think about the fact that God, out of his great love for us, when he says, hey, I came that you might have life and that you might have it to the full, Jesus was describing for us what there looked like, what it still looks like. But then we also knew this, that Jesus longs for us to leave the place where we currently are. We said that all of us know what it means to live in here. We all know what it means for there to be a time in our life where we would say, you know what, I, I've lived here maybe even long enough. Maybe you've kind of, you, you, the things in your life that you look at and you go, okay, I, I've experienced here. I know what that looks like. And we looked at the scriptures and we said, okay, how do the scriptures describe here? What does that look like? And we saw that it's words like this, brokenness. It's things like fractured relationships between the people that we love the most our family sometimes, our friends. And then it's even fractures in relationships with people that we don't even know. It's over here, you could say this, it's unforgiveness. It's this lack of oftentimes purpose in life. It's just, I'm getting by. That's what here looks like. But then if you look at the scriptures and you go, okay, when Jesus described life to in its all of its fullness, when he described there, what was he talking about? And we see all of these other descriptors come to life that there was peace with God both now and for all of eternity. There was no more pain. In the scriptures we look at, it's, it's heaven when we die. Yes, no more suffering, no more pain. That's incredible. Heaven when we die, yes. But it's even so much more than that. It's life with God now. Now, a lot of you, you've experienced religion. Some of you have had your fair share of bad church experiences even. You've lived here. You've understood what it means to engage in religion out of duty. But we know that there describes intimacy with Jesus Christ. That God says, hey, I am not against you. But actually, when I describe life to the full, Jesus was saying to us, I am with you. And, and this is so key, you may have never even thought of this before. But Jesus says to you, I am with you and I am for you. Over there is life with God. In Psalm 84, the psalmist, he had experienced life with God, and he said, better is one day, Lord, with you, better is one day over there than a thousand days over here. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand days over there. 
And so we talked about how the resurrection means that we can put our confidence in the teachings and in the promises of Jesus Christ. We talked about how over here we're often reminded and we often walk through life. If you continue to live over here long enough, you'll be weighted down by guilt and shame and a dissatisfaction with life. While over there, you get to experience forgiveness, even when you don't deserve it. And I'm thankful for that. You get to experience this beautiful word that we talked about that's called grace. It's God's unmerited favor, like we don't deserve it, but God gives it to us. He gives us new life. And then one of the things that we said was this, if you're not willing to leave there, you'll never experience the goodness of the promises of God over there. That you and I were never meant to live over here. That you and I were made and we were created for so much more. And even we said this because this is true. We see this in the scriptures. That it breaks the heart of God when somebody continues to live over here. It breaks God's heart. And so we had this bridge and so many people walked across it. And it was their way of saying, and it was beautiful. It was their way of saying, I'm leaving here. I don't want to stay here anymore. It's not what God created me for. But even greater than that, God didn't just say, hey, you can just keep trying to get over there and do your best to get there. But those people said, no, no, I'm going to walk across that bridge. I trust that Jesus Christ is the only way that I can get from here to the promises of there, the place that I want to live. And so we looked at this verse in Ephesians chapter 2. It says this in verse 4. It says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, I'm so thankful for that, he made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. It's by grace that you can go from here to there. And Jesus, it says this, when we were dead, when we were over here, in our mess, God didn't say, get cleaned up first, and then I'll help you. God said, no, I'll come to you right in the middle of your mess, right when you're over here, and I'll take you to over there through Christ. And as I watched people go across that bridge, like many of you, I was filled with so much joy. It was a moment I won't forget for a long, long time. And I was just reminded in a fresh way that God is the one who can change any human heart. That God is the one who can do that. And I was reminded of this because as I watched people walk from here to there, and then I watched some of them go this way, and I was kind of sitting over there, and I could see on their faces they had sensed the welcome of God. That when you go from here to there, God doesn't say, well, finally, God says, welcome home. I've missed you, and I'm so glad you're here, and I invite you to do life with me. And so this morning is just another significant morning for us because we're going to celebrate something that happens over there. This morning, we're going to celebrate baptisms. Now, baptism is this. Baptism is something that God instituted as a way for us to be able to say very publicly, I identify with Christ. I've gone from here to there, and I'm, I'm grateful. I'm with Jesus Christ. He's changed my life. I couldn't have done it on my own. I'm with Christ. And you'll have that opportunity today to publicly proclaim that through baptism today. Even maybe if you didn't even plan on it. You're like hearing this for the first time, and you're going, wow, I have gone from here to there, but I've never publicly proclaimed that. Or maybe last weekend was a big weekend for you. Or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. This morning, we want to give you an opportunity, and you might even say, well, I didn't plan on that. I don't have the gear or whatever, the clothes for that. We've got you literally covered for that, right? It's going to be a special time. 
So today, though, here's what I want to do. We're in this new series, and we're going to be in it for about the next eight weeks, and we're going to be diving again deeply into the New Testament book of Colossians, and we're going to see beyond a shadow of a doubt, we're going to see this. We're going to see what does it look like to live over there? What does it look like to live over there? And I'm pretty excited about this series because whether you've been walking with Jesus maybe for a long time, or maybe you had your bridge moment last weekend when you went from here to there, or maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, I'm asking questions still. I believe this series will be so helpful, and I would encourage you, don't miss a week of this series, because we're going to see with absolute clarity, who is Jesus Christ? Who is Jesus Christ? The verse that we're going to continue to go back to again and again, maybe even commit this one to memory. It's where we got the name for this series, Deeply Rooted. It's this verse, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. It says, read this. It says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. So you've gone. He's talking to people who have gone from here to there. If that's you, he says, continue to live your lives in him. Here it is, rooted and built up in him. And we'll see how, what that all means. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. And so our desire with this series is to say, okay, how do I live over there? What does that look like for me? And so would you pray with me now as we start a new series? And, and let's just say, let's go before God, church, and let's say, God, would you speak to us in a unique way through this series? So yeah, pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. And Lord, we just want to invite you to do what only you can do in our midst. Father, I thank you for new life. Father, I thank you for the many people who said last weekend, I've been here long enough. God, you created me for something so much more. Lord, I want to live over there. Father, we celebrate that. And Lord, this morning, even as people publicly proclaim, I'm a follower of Christ. Lord, you and you alone have changed me. Lord, we pray that you would be honored in this place. We welcome your presence and your activity in this place. The one of immeasurably more. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I love the title of this series, Deeply Rooted. Um, a few years ago, there was an incredible storm that went through an area near where I grew up. And I visited that area a few weeks later, and, and all over the place you could see the destruction of the storm. You could see these huge pine trees that they had been just toppled over, and there were tornado-like winds, you know, those straight lightning winds that just knock over so much, pounding rains. But mixed right along in the same path of destruction, mixed right along with these trees that had been just toppled, trees that had been there for a long, long time, right in the midst of those trees, in the same line of the storm, were other trees that weren't phased, were trees that were still standing tall, were trees that were still doing very, very well. And the question quickly comes to your mind is this, why did some of the trees make it and why did some of the trees not make it? Why did they not withstand the heat of that storm and those pounding rains and that brutal wind? Now the answer to that question is obvious. Even to the most casual observer just driving by, it goes back to the difference in what? It goes back to the difference in their root system. Some of those trees had a deep root system, deep root system, and it allowed them in the midst of that storm to be strong and to be sturdy and to be the same tree that they were before the, the storm came. Other trees, not so much the case, they had a shallow root system. They were weak and the person even just casually driving by would go, it's about the root system. I can see it very clearly. 
In this series, what we're going to see is this, is we're going to find that the Apostle Paul is not going to just say, hey, you've just arrived there. The Apostle Paul is now going to go a little bit step further, and he's going to say this, how do you become a person over there that lives deeply rooted so that when the storms of life come your way, and they do, and they will, how do you stand firm? How do you live the kind of life that one day you look back on it and you say, I gave everything I had to God-honoring purposes. I left a legacy that I'm proud of. The Apostle Paul is going to talk about that kind of a life. It's the kind of life, it's the kind of tree, really, that's described in Psalm chapter 1. Let me read these verses to you. This is where we're heading. It says that this person, or this tree, this person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Now, I don't know about you, I want to live that kind of a life. And so that's what the Apostle Paul is going to talk to us about. Now let me give you kind of a brief overview. Let's fly a little high here just for a few moments. I want you to understand what the, what the book of Colossians is about, where it's coming from, why it was written, some of those things. First of all, know this. The book of Colossians was written to real people like you and I. Real people with real problems. Real people with life situations that you and I even can relate to. Colossians was written by the Apostle Paul. It was written with Timothy, his closest ministry partner, right by his side. And it's, it's largely agreed upon that the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Colossian church while he was under house arrest, while he was waiting to go on this trial before Caesar. So it's a, it's a, it's a key time in his life, high-stress time. The book of Colossians, we know this. It was first written to the people in the city of Colossae. Now, Colossae is is in modern-day Turkey. It's central, kind of south-central Turkey. It's about, if this helps you geographically, it's about 100 miles from Ephesus. Now, when I say Ephesus, some of you are going, okay, Paul wrote another letter. He wrote the letter to the Ephesians, another uh, book in our Bibles. And so that's kind of where it's at. But here's the thing that's interesting. It's likely... The Apostle Paul never visited the city of Colossae, never went there. Instead, what happened was this. While the Apostle Paul had gone from here to there because the gospel had gripped his life and he was adamantly opposed to Christianity, that's where he was over here. But God took him to over there, and once he got over there, he began to spread the gospel. And so he and his team are traveling the Mediterranean, and they're sharing the gospel. And one of the people that hears the gospel is this guy named Epaphras. Now, Epaphras was just a normal guy with a day job at that point, right? But he hears the gospel. He goes then from, in his spiritual life, he goes from here to there. And what does he do? He gets back to Colossae, and he begins to plant this church. And so the Apostle Paul now writes to Epaphras and to this church. Epaphras has founded the church. Last question, why? Why did the Apostle Paul take the time to write this letter to the church in Colossae? Here's what's, ha- what's happening. There had been a group of people that had begun to surface, that had begin to, begun to teach things that were distracting people from everything that was true about Jesus over there. And they were beginning to, to bring in their false teachings, and it was beginning to dampen who Jesus Christ was and all that he had done. And the Apostle Paul wasn't going to have it. And so he writes this letter, and his goal is this, and that's why I think this series will be so helpful for us, regardless of where you're at. The Apostles Paul goal was this. He said, I want to put on full display who is Jesus. We have to have clarity on that. 
And so that's what he does, and we're going to see in this book that as we understand who Jesus Christ is, it allows us, once we're over there, to plant roots that are so deep. It allows us to go, okay, how can kind of the winds of adversity and how could the winds of false teaching never knock you and I over because our roots in Christ are so deep? And so I want to read these first 14 verses to you, and then we're going to look specifically at the last five. So yeah, let me read these to you. Here we go. Colossians chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Now, right away, Paul wants us to know he's with Jesus Christ. He wants us to know that by the will of God, uh, Christ Jesus by the will of God, I'm apostle of him. Paul wants us to know there was a day when I was clearly over, over here, but by God's grace, he took me to over there. He's representing Christ. He's wanting us to know, and I'm taking a minute on this, because he wants us to know. These aren't my words. He's saying, I'm representing Jesus Christ. It's a big deal. And then he says, and Timothy, our brother, and then he says, to God's holy people in Colossae. And, and he calls them holy, and you might read that, and you might go, well, why is, it, why is he calling them holy? I mean, were they perfect? No, they weren't perfect, but here's the thing. They had gone from here to there, and they had trusted in the one who was holy. That's what Paul's referring to, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, grace and peace to you from God our Father. You'll notice that Paul uses that language a lot. If you've never thought of God as a good father, you must adopt that perspective. It will change your faith. It will change your thinking. When you see God as someone who looks at you as a good father and says, you are my child, and I love you, and I care, and I am, that's what good fathers are. They are for their children. And then he says this, we always thank God, the father of our, there it is again, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all of God's people. Now, quick note here, notice what he says about this church. He says, we always Thank God for you. Now, quick time out here, because I see this whenever I pray for Brookside Church, and whenever our staff is gather, gathered together and we're praying for the church, do you know what we hear? You know what's said oftentimes right away? It's, Lord, Lord, thank you for the church. Lord, thank you for the people. And so I just wanted to encourage you with that. You are the kind of church that the leadership of this church, when we think about you, it's like what Paul thought of the church in Colossae. We go, thank you, God. Thank you for them. He says, he says, the faith and the love that sprang from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. Again, he's talking about this message that he's been proclaiming, the gospel, and how it's taken people from being far from God to a place where they can have intimacy with the God who loves them. And then he says, in the same way, just like among you, Colossians, and this is big, in the same way that the gospel is bearing fruit and growing, it's growing throughout the whole world. So what it's doing in Colossae is beautiful, but it's even going beyond that, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it, and you truly understood God's keyword, grace. God's awesome way of saying, when I see you, I don't see you for the sin that you commit, commit against me, a holy God. Through your faith, I see Jesus Christ and the one who paid for that. That's what grace is. And then he says this, you learned it from Epaphras. Isn't that beautiful? 
Then that guy that heard me preach that God then took from here to there. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. And then verse 9, it says, For this reason, since the day that we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. And we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and that you might please him in every way. And then, he, and then he's going to go on. We're going to look at this. He's going to talk about, well, how do you do that? He says, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. He's describing everything there, everything there. And then it's like he just has this reflective moment in verse 13. He says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he has brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. Now, I want to work through some of these verses with you. Look with me at verse 9, backing up. Paul says, for this reason. And again, I want us to look deeply at when Paul describes there, and when we as a church say over there, we just don't want to get there. We want our roots to grow deep over there. Paul's going to describe what that looks like. For this reason, and again, that reason is, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful that God is changing lives through you. I'm so thankful that the gospel is evident in your life because you're growing. Since the day I heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We can continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Know this, when Paul is praying for them, he's praying that God will fill them with the knowledge of his will. Paul is saying this, we see this in the book of Philippians. He says of himself, he says, I want to know Christ more. I've experienced some of Jesus over there, but the more that I experience of him, the more that I learn about him, the more that I want. It's a growing hunger. Maybe ask yourself this question, are you thirsting for the knowledge of God? You might ask the question, how do I grow in that? I would say this, you pick this book up every single day. I got to just tell you, just this last week, there were three days in particular, and one of them was this morning. This morning was Psalm 46 for us in our 365 plan. I needed to hear what God had to say in Psalm 46 this morning. And two other times this week in particular, where I just said, as a parent, as a husband, as a leader, I needed to hear from you. That's how you grow. One of the ways we grow in our knowledge, but not, not just head knowledge, but how do we experience the goodness and the grace and the active nudges and leadings of God in our life. Verse 10, Paul goes on. He says, so that you, again, he's praying for them. I'm praying, he's saying, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. I want that. So that you might please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. When you experience the grace of God, isn't this true, church? You want more of the grace of God. And so ask yourself this question, am I growing in my knowledge of him? Do I know more about God this year than I did last year? Do I have things in my life, like regular habits, that are helping me progress in my faith? And so I didn't just arrive over there, but I'm, my roots are continuing to grow. 
And so that when life brings this and that at me, I will be able to look back and go, this year I, I grew. Do you, do you have that in your life? And then he prays this for him. Look at this, verse 11. He says, being strengthened with all power. It's this picture that if a de- as a deeply rooted person, I rely on the power of God. I have a mentor who put it like this. He's, he just, this, is, this is his habit. When he rolls out of bed every morning, the first thing that he does is he goes straight to his knees. And he just says to the Lord in that moment, he says, Lord, I need your help today. Lord, I need your power today. And then Paul writes this, according to his, God's, glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. Paul is saying, I want your roots to grow deep for the long haul. So if you have two images in your mind, think of this. Think of a sprinter. What does a sprinter look like? Their muscles are huge, right? I mean, think of a sprinter on the blocks. They are built. Think of now a marathoner. You know what they are? They're skinny. They're scrawny right? There's a huge difference, right? On the spiritual front, Paul is saying this, I want you to be a marathoner. I want you to be able to run for the long haul. I want you to have endurance. I want you to have patience. You know, I love that in this church, there are people who just had a bridge experience last weekend. They've just come to know Christ, and they're sitting right next to people who have been following Jesus for decades. I love that. Some people in this church have been following Jesus longer than many of us have been alive. We need that as a church. I admire that. That's Paul's desire, though, for all of us, that we'd be able to look back and be, wow, yes, I'm a seasoned follower of Christ. And then verse 12, he says this, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Now think about this, qualified us. Without Christ, when I'm over here, you know what I'm qualified for? I'm qualified for the wrath of God because I've sinned against a holy God. That's what I'm qualified for. But the Apostle Paul says, now when you're over there, when you've trusted in Christ, you are qualified for the inheritance that God gives us. It's incredible. And then these verses that I want to end with, 13 and 14. Paul says this, and if you haven't heard anything this morning, Please tune in for this because this is so important. This is the gospel. This church is how you go from here to there. Verse 13, for he, all about him, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. And what has he done? He took us out of the dominion of darkness and he has brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. This is the here to their picture in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Isn't it true that when you realize that you've been rescued, it changes how you love? Isn't that true? You know, I don't have many memories that are locked in my mind from my childhood, maybe five or ten of them that I could tell you about. But one of them is this. I remember very vividly being on a boat with my parents one time. We were well away from our home. And I remember a storm came out of nowhere, and it it was a big storm got dark really quick, lightning, pouring rain. And if you've ever been out in a boat in the middle of that, it's not good. And as soon as it started to happen, we kind of cranked the engine, my dad did, and then the engine started to have problems. And sure enough, there we are, stuck in the water. And I remember seeing my dad, you know, in a moment kind of a panic. We couldn't get the engine going. He gets on the front of the boat with the, with the kind of the paddle that's under the seat, you know, and And he paddles, he gets us over to the other side of the lake where there's this woman's house, the light was on, she'd been watching what was been happening. 
And there she was on her dock. She waited for us. She helped get us tied up. She brought us towels. I mean, it's raining. And if, again, you know the emotion of lightning when you're in a boat. It's not good. And so she got us into her home. And I, to this day, every time I'm in a boat on that lake and I'm cruising past her house, I look up at this beautiful A-frame home and I say to myself, that's the woman that rescued us. Boy, I like her. Man, I remember that as a kid. I was scared to death. When you've been rescued, it changes how you love. One of my favorite passages in the scriptures is in Luke chapter 7. There's this woman, and the title that she's given, imagine if this was your title, the woman who lived a sinful life. Now, we don't know what all that she did. We can only imagine. But we know that she came to Jesus and that she wept in over his feet, and we know that she poured perfume on his feet, and we know that she did this in the context of all these religious leaders that were saying to Jesus, why are you allowing this sinful woman to do this? All these people that were just so high and proud over here. But this woman had clearly gone over there, and she was enjoying the forgiveness of God, and Jesus Christ said to her, ma'am, your sins are forgiven. But you know what? As a symbol, really, of her, really, her way of expressing, God, you have been so merciful to me. She washed his feet, and she, she loved him, and she kissed his feet even. Why? Because she was so overwhelmed at the grace of God. It moved her. Isn't it true that when you know how much you've been rescued, it changes how you love? You express it. You know, this morning we're going to have these baptisms, and it's people's way of saying very symbolically, Lord, you've rescued me. Lord, you've taken me from one place, and you, you've brought me to another. Lord, I was over here, but I've experienced your grace, and now I've gone over there. You know, I wear a, a wedding ring, and my wedding ring is this. It's a symbol, right? My wedding ring is a symbol of my commitment to Christina, that through thick or thin and through the ups and the downs, and we experience both, believe me, I'm committed to her. It's a symbol to my kids. It's a symbol to anybody else who would see it. I'm committed to her. Baptism is this. Baptism is a symbol. I'm committed to you, Jesus. Jesus, I thank you. You have saved me. Only through Jesus Christ have I been saved and been made right with God, not through baptism. But my baptism is now the symbol of what has happened inside of my heart. And so this morning, we're going to have an opportunity for you to be baptized and um, I just want to encourage you. For some of you, you may have just come to know Christ last weekend. For others of you, maybe you've walked with Jesus for a long time, but you've never taken that step of obedience to him. And I just want to encourage you to do so. We're going to watch in just a minute here some videos of some people that registered to be baptized before this morning. But for others of you, I want to invite you to be baptized this morning. Um, we can uh, help you get, we've got, every, our team really went to bat on this because seeing lives being changed for Christ, it never gets old. And so we have everything, literally everything for you. You make your way over to that for the city sign there underneath there. We have dressing rooms and clothes and the whole, you don't even have to get, you have to get wet, but your clothes don't have to get wet. It's pretty cool. So I want to do this now. I just want to pray. And church, let's be the kind of church that we celebrate when somebody goes from here to there very well. So even as these people get baptized this morning, church, when they come out of the water, let them know, wow, you are symbolizing the greatest change that could possibly have ever happened in your life. And so let's clap and scream and do everything that's appropriate uh, when a life gets changed by God, okay? So yeah, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you 
that you change lives, you and you alone. And this morning, Lord, I pray for the person, maybe they didn't walk the bridge last weekend, but even this morning they say to themselves, Lord, I'm living, I'm living here and I want to go there. And I just want to say to you this morning, if that is you, you can do that through Jesus Christ. And so you can even say to him now, Lord, would you take me from here to there? Lord, I thank you for the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. And, and I trust in that. I don't want to be held accountable for my sin. And so this morning, would you cry out to God in that way? And Lord, then for others who maybe are here and they're a follower of Christ, Lord, I pray that today we would just, we would be obedient to this, this really, it was, a, it was a command in the scriptures that when we believe we get baptized as a way of publicly saying, God, I am with you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity to celebrate you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.